0: You're listening to the St. John's and Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie.
1: The lesson this morning comes from Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34, and that can be found on page 846 in the Pew Bibles. Luke 12, 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens, they do not sow or reap, they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Mick, for that Bible reading. Good morning, everybody. My name's Kirk. I'm one of the ministers here. We're going to talk about that passage in a bit more detail. So I encourage you to keep it open as we go through this morning's talk. Um, I'm going to refer to it a little bit from time to time. Uh, First, a question I'd love to see a show of hands. Has anyone felt at all stressed this week? That's a lot. Okay. So we're looking, I'd say we're looking at 70 to 80% of people. Maybe it was a big stressful moment, maybe it wasn't so much, maybe it was multiple ones spread across the week. We've got things that stress us, things that worry us, things that create some anxiety in us. It's a pretty common experience, as we can see, just from a quick show of hands around the room. Uh, Pretty common in our society, actually, uh, to feel stressed and to feel worry. And this is despite the fact that we are living in one of the most wealthy, well-off livable societies that has ever existed in the history of the human race. Melbourne regularly voted the most livable city uh, in the world. And yet, even in our excellent circumstances, where we have so many of our needs met so easily, uh, we are still prone to worry and be stressed. So we're going to talk a bit about that today because as Jesus starts this section in verse 22, he says, do not worry about your life. And so given our tendency to worry, despite all the good things we have, we should pay extra special attention to this teaching of Jesus. Now, we should pay attention to everything Jesus says, but given just the show of hands there and just what's going on and, uh, and where we're at in this part of the world, I think it's a especially important message for us to listen to this morning. Paul, in our kids' talk, did give us a bit of background. I'm going to give you two verses that summarise just what's come directly before this passage. Um, these are two verses, two things Jesus says that really summarise what he's been on about so far in the conversation he's in. These t- last week's passage and this week's passage, they're not totally separate. One follows the other very directly. So the first verse is, Life is not measured by how much you own. Pretty simple. It's not about just getting more and more and more for yourself. That's not what life is about. This is Jesus' message. Second thing that he says, which summarises what he's on about, is that a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth. So that it might just be stockpiling cash or bank account, or it might be the things that we can buy with those things, but not have a rich relationship with God. Jesus actually goes as far as saying, if that's what you do, if you prioritise just getting as much stuff for yourself, as much money for yourself then you're a fool. So this is the background to what we're looking at today. If you missed Tim's talk on it last week, I encourage you to, during the week, read all of Luke chapter 12 and then have a listen to what Tim said on the podcast. It's available for you to listen to online. So that's what we're going to talk about today, though, is, is worry and how it relates to this accumulation of stuff. And wealth. So it's not really going to be a talk about general worry. I will touch on that a couple of times during the talk, but it's very specifically going to be about worry that is connected with money and the things that money buys, because that's what that's the connection Jesus is making. So we're going to look at a trailer for a documentary that I watched recently. It's called Generation Wealth, and in the trailer, the documentary. Uh, maker is the voiceover that you'll hear at the start, and she sort of explains what the documentary is about and, and where it's all headed. So let's have a look now. If I to work hours a week, and never see my family and die at an early age, not quite a I have a letter
1: called The Longest Limousine in the World with a swimming pool and a helicopter lighting. It's a ball and 727. You can't I noticed no matter how much people have, it's not on the door. The American dream is all about status. I'm somebody you're not for this. You can't. My wife and I sat down for dinner in the Mediterranean. There were plenty of boats, 30, 40, 50 million for sale. And I said, this one, this one, this one, or this one. My wife said, turn off your phone. That's all I want. Nice dinner. This fictitious lifestyle, which we're all told that we can have, fuels this sense of inadequacy. I realized wealth was much more than money. It was whatever gave us value i love to see this fixed. See my thighs fixed. My butt needs to be fixed. Do you think I'm a workaholic? Yeah. I just kind of grew up with you not really being around. Are you okay? On any journey, you sometimes have to go back and find your roots. I mean, major mistakes. What you sold In this world, is a bag of rotten goods, and it takes a long trip to come back to what matters.
0: There we go. So, what the filmmaker does is examines the wealthiest people in society, mostly in America, but she does get around the world a little bit, and looks at the excesses of their life and then focuses on how that excess of the very, very wealthy filters down into the rest of Western society, into countries like Australia. Uh, It's a good documentary, but I have to admit I didn't make it all the way through. I stopped watching it because I actually started to feel sick. I just couldn't stand the excess and the lavish life that some of these people were living, and also the cost they were prepared to pay relationally in order to get those things. And I really, I just couldn't stomach it. It's not because it was a bad movie. In fact, it was probably being very effective in the way it went about things, but I just couldn't cope with it. Now, we might all be able to look at Some of the lifestyles, yeah, the giant limos and all the stuff that that you might see if you went and watched the documentary and go, that's ridiculous. I don't want that. That's not something I desire in my life. I don't want that much stuff. I don't need that much money. However, if we just dialed it back a bit and we went a couple of levels lower, you know, you're not quite at that level, but, geez, I, I did have that nice thing that they had, or, gee, it would be nice to have that amount of disposable income, or wouldn't it be nice to live in that... Nice little peninsula or island or whatever, that, and then we can actually start to desire the things that the very wealthy want to have. Now, I would have said if you had have asked me, Kirk, do you care much about your image? You know, because there's a lot in there about wealth bringing you sort of fame, popularity, making you look better. Uh, maybe some people even work on their bodies; uh, others with clothes. Jesus certainly picks up on the idea of the way we dress in this passage. If you had said, Kirk, do you care much about that? Do you care much about image and perception and all that sort of stuff? I would have said, I don't care much about that sort of thing. I, I'm like a little bit in certain context, but I, I would have thought, you know, I'm pretty much lower down uh, and, and it's not a big focus in my life. However, as I've been preparing for this talk over the last couple of weeks, coincidentally watching this documentary in the same time I didn't do it as research, just um, it was a thing that happened, um, I also had a very interesting experience regarding teeth. So I was listening to a podcast which was not about teeth, it wasn't a dentist podcast or anything, but one of the people who was speaking on the podcast had been to the dentist that morning and their teeth were really hurting, so they ended up talking about teeth for quite a long time. And they talked about the pros and cons of getting braces on your teeth, straighten them up or fix different issues. Uh, When's a good time? Should you do it? This sort of thing. Now, when I started school, I would say that I had the most crooked teeth out of anyone I've ever met. Okay, So I have seen photos of people who had more crooked teeth than me, but I've never actually met someone in person. I have the most crooked teeth of anyone I know. And so I had braces for four and a half years. Most of high school I had braces on to straighten up my teeth and to make me look more like a wealthy, famous person. That's really what they're about, isn't it? Mostly. (laughs) Uh, It's mostly about appearance. And so then I got the braces off when I was 18 and uh, I didn't get a retainer. They didn't put any sort of wire or anything like that in there. And so more recently, the last 18 months or so, my teeth have started to move. And I've I've been noticing, I've been catching myself in the mirror. My, My teeth look different. And... I was actually at the dentist for a checkup the other day and we had a bit of a chat about it and, you know, all this sort of thing. And then I'm listening to this podcast where they're talking about teeth. And one guy just said a line that really kind of hit me in the guts where he said, I've had a great life and I've got crooked teeth. And I realised, actually, I was worrying about my teeth at a level I would have told you I don't worry about those sort of things that actually I was concerned about my image. He's someone who I'd say probably... Other, my friends are telling me I care about my image less than the regular person, right? But yet, I, I sort of prided myself on that, and yet there are parts of my life where I'm really concerned about it and I would prefer to look wealthier and better off and more popular or more like the popular people than I do. So even if we can point to a really wealthy person and say, I don't want what they've got, my challenge for you today is to go, but okay, maybe that's true, or maybe you, do want, want, maybe you do want that, but even if you don't quite want that, I reckon we all care about our image in a way that causes us to worry and causes us stress. And I want you to really try and be honest with yourself and with God as we go through the rest of this morning service about that reality and just think about the areas where maybe you care a lot and where if things aren't going as well because your teeth are crooked or something else is going wrong, where you start to worry about those things. What happens when people get together in the same spot is that we compare ourselves to each other. Now, this happens in the poorest societies, but my theory would be that the wealthier a society gets, the more opportunity we have to compare ourselves, and the more different ways we can compare ourselves. And we fear missing out. You know, this is a common phrase now, the fear of missing out, FOMO, where we look at what someone else has, and we think, gee, that looks good, and then we worry that we're going to miss out on that experience or that thing, that house, that car, that trip, that fancy-looking family or that amazing-looking holiday. This, this just happens. And then it leads us into unhelpful behaviours. You know, massive mortgages that people can't pay off. People get into gambling and hope to make money quickly to become richer fast. Um, credit card debt, personal debt. All these things are a big issue in this very livable city of Melbourne. So it does affect the way we live and it affects our decision making. And so then when we come to verse 25... And Jesus says, Who of you by worrying could add a single hour to your life? That should get our attention. Now it's a logical thing here, it's a question, but the answer is well you can't you can't add an hour to your life by worrying. Actually doctors would probably say if you worry, you're more likely to shorten your life. And so then what's Jesus saying about worry there? Gets our attention. What's he actually saying? I I, I do not think that Jesus is saying that all worry is evil. That if you've come here this morning and you're worried about something that's going on in your life, I don't think Jesus is saying that you are doing a morally wrong thing. What I do think he is saying is that worry, and particularly worrying about how much stuff we have, is not useful. Worry doesn't actually achieve anything. Lying awake worrying about something... It's not practical. Like, it's understandable if it's a really serious thing, but it's not practical. And so, logically then, Jesus wants us to have a small amount of worry in our life, less worry in our life, because it's not useful for us. It's not actually going to help us in our life. So let's bear this in mind. Worry is not evil. I don't want you to feel guilty if you're worrying about something this morning. But we want to bring some perspective to that worry, and get rid of any worry that is not useful and it's not going to be leading us down a good path. So Jesus identifies the problem, this worry, and particularly this worry in connection with having more stuff. Oh, I'm worried, I'm not going to have enough. I'm not going to have enough. And then he offers us a solution in verse 31. Uh, We know it's a solution because he starts with, but. So he's talked about the problem, but. Seek his kingdom, that's God's kingdom, And these things will be given to you as well, as in the things that we need will be given to us as well. How do we seek God's kingdom? What is God's kingdom? Big fat books have been written about what God's kingdom is. There's a whole bunch of depth that we could go into. Let me give you a quick summary. God's kingdom is not a geographical place, but it's wherever God's rule is obvious or evident. So... When God's son Jesus is honoured, as we've done this morning through our worship through music, that's an example of God's kingdom. When the fruits of the Spirit, when people show something like kindness or patience or self-control, that's an example of God's kingdom. When When someone shows another person grace, unconditional, undeserved love, that's an example of God's kingdom. When someone speaks truth in a loving way, that's an example of God's kingdom. When a poor person who is in need is cared for, then that is an example of God's kingdom. When it basically, wherever things are happening that God wants to happen, we can point at that and go, hey, that looks like God's kingdom. And so when we seek God's kingdom, that's what we're putting first. We're putting first the things that God wants for our life and we're trusting that God, as we do that, is going to look after the things that we need. So we are called to care for those who are in need, who are poor. And as we do that, we make a sacrifice because we give away something that we have in order to help someone else. And we trust that when we do that, that God's going to look after the basics that we need in our life. This is the principle that Jesus is presenting us. Focusing on the kingdom is not going to cost us the things that we really need. It might cost us the things that we selfishly desire. It won't cost us the things that we really need. And so as we move towards the end of today's talk, I want to present to you three practical ways we can live this out, where we can move away from unhelpful worry and prioritise God's kingdom and focus on his kingdom first. I could have listed... 20 things that we could do, (laughs) like it's a really big topic, so I do encourage you to get practical with each other after the service, having a chat over a cuppa and really working this through and being honest with each other. But here's three that I've um, picked for today. The first comes from the last verse of the passage we've looked at today, verse 34. Jesus says, "'For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.'" Again, this is a bit of a, a, a gut-punch verse here. Like He's really sort of summarizing it for us there. What are the things that you value, that you really treasure, that you're like, yeah, I re- that's the thing that I really want and I want to hold on to? If those things are the things of God's kingdom, then you will have less worry in your life. That is a guarantee. Not that you'll have none or you'll have no challenges, but you'll have less worry if you prioritise God's kingdom. If you value money and the things that money is going to buy you, then you will have more worry in your life. That is a guarantee. And the challenge for us is to check our hearts and go, right, what do I truly deep down value? Or think about it this way. If someone came and had full access to your life, to your thoughts and your emotions and your bank account and um, all your stuff, what would they say you value? <laughs> How would they give you a critical appraisal? Because sometimes we can sort of blind ourselves to our own heart, actually, and pretend that we value something when actually we really value something else, but we're quite good at just sort of separating that in our mind. So that's the first thing, to do a heart check. Um, Jesus actually says in verse 33... Uh, he, one of his recommendations is to sell your possessions and give to the poor. Um, not, not saying all possessions, so this is not Jesus saying no private ownership for Christians, but that if you're worrying about the stuff all the time, maybe you should give it away, or sell it actually, <laughs> and then give the money you get from it to the poor who really need it. Um, I've had multiple friends tell me that, about how they've done that uh, Multiple friends actually told me that their music collection held an unhealthy priority in their life. Now, music's not bad. Having a few albums in your house is not bad. But they just felt that it had become such an obsession of theirs that it was drawing them away from the things of the kingdom. It was creating worry, stress, this sort of stuff. So they got rid of it. And they said they felt an amazing freedom by doing that. So if you do have something that's restricting your freedom and... and holding back your faith, I recommend selling it and giving the money to the poor. You'll have a better life because of it. So That's the first point, do a heart check. The second point is to resist the comparison game where we compare each other and compare ourselves to others. This is a classic sort of picture we get on social media, someone boasting about they're in a great place and you're not there, maybe not quite as rude as that one. I'm here, you're not, is what it says if you can't read it. (laughs) But if you are on social media, uh, if you're someone who uses Facebook, other social networks regularly, I would recommend limiting your exposure to those things. They can be very useful, they're not bad as such, but they just feed this desire to compare ourselves to other people in really unhealthy ways. Um, Parents, if you've got kids who come into the age where they're starting to use that, I recommend... Drastically restricting their access to social media. I would say 15 would be the youngest. I would recommend getting a Facebook account as a bare minimum um, and to really have a lot of wisdom and discussion with your kids around how this stuff works. But to be honest, the comparison game happens as much with adults who are a fair bit older than me than it does with teenagers. It's not just a teenage issue. So if you are on on social media, I recommend cutting back and just limiting your use of it Now, here's one thing that I do when I use Facebook, because I use it for work and for uh, social life and so on. Um, What I do is when it opens up on my computer, it goes straight to the messenger part of Facebook, which is basically just email on Facebook. And I don't get that feed, that news feed, where people's great... Holiday pops up, or someone's dressing really nice for the party they're going to, or they've just won an award, or their kids just won an award, uh, or, or you know they they just got a promotion, or they've just found an article that they hate and they're going to tell everyone why they're right, well the right author's wrong and they're right. And it's all this comparison. It's all this yes, oh me compared to other people and so on. That just never opens for me. I only look at that if I actually want to, which is pretty rare. And my mental health has just gone up and up and up been really good. It's reduced my worry heaps by doing that. So that's if you're on social media. Um, Many of you won't be or you'll hardly use it at all. Um, But what about television? Still exists. Still a thing. Reality TV. Anyone who got a MasterChef obsession or loved those renovation shows or the getaway to the country house sort of shows seem to be on all the time? Uh, These things can be like pornography for houses or for clothes or for food or for wealth or for achievement. It can be very addictive and very destructive in our lives if we put too much focus on them. So again, it's not wrong to watch MasterChef, but I recommend limiting it because it just feeds this idea of comparing ourselves to other people, which can increase our worry. Even if you don't look at a screen at all, if it's not a media-based thing, we're all very capable of looking over the fence and getting jealous of the neighbour's car or visiting a friend's house and getting jealous of their lounge suite or all these sort of things. So whatever the case, we're going to be exposed to the comparison game. But if you want to reduce your worry, you limit your exposure to that comparison game and you increase your focus on God's kingdom. So that's the second point is to resist the comparison game. The third point is to stop and pray. I've spoken to a number of friends from this church over the last year or so about their prayer life. And multiple people have mentioned that they had a really good sort of rhythm of prayer throughout the day. So, you know, they're going to a meeting, they'll just pray and ask God to guide them during the meeting. They're going to meet up with a friend for a serious conversation. They'll sort of pray as they're in the car on the way there. Um, you know, oh, they see something dramatic happen or hear about something and they just pray and ask God to be with those people that they've heard about. This sort of thing. It's an ongoing thing, but it's sort of always on the go. It's just prayer, just sort of as I'm doing other things. I'm always doing something else while I'm doing that prayer. And they said they were just feeling the need to have a time where they weren't doing anything else while I prayed, where they just stopped and sat or stood or knelt or even lay down with no distractions, headphones out, no other people, praying like Jesus often did, just getting off by himself, and just spending that time in relationship with God. And you can think if you have that regularly as part of your life, you're going to have a much greater ability to focus on the things of God's kingdom, because there's not going to be those distractions. So if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, and you don't have any moment during the week where you can sit in prayer quietly for minimum 10 minutes with no other distractions, then I would highly recommend doing that. It will reduce your worry. It will do wonders for your relationship with God. Now, that said, if you've never done it before, it can be hard to start. And it can be hard to get into a rhythm. It can be quite difficult. You might be dismayed at how quickly your mind wanders off to other things. You might be disappointed at how bored you get in the first few times you try it. But if you stick with it, I can basically guarantee you that it's going to be good for you and good for your relationship with Jesus. So there's the three things. Do a heart check. Resist the comparison game. Stop and pray. We are going to worry in life. That's just going to happen. Serious things that we really should worry about happen. You know, family in hospital, or we get very ill. These sort of things are totally understandable that we worry about them. And I don't want anyone to feel guilty about worrying about that sort of thing today. But let's not worry about the dumb stuff. Like seriously, let's put down a bunch of that rubbish that our society hands to us. What did the trailer say? Our society hands to us a bag of rotten fruit. A lot of this desire that we have to be wealthy and all that stuff that goes with it. It is a load of rubbish. Let's not worry about that. And let's seek God's help to get rid of that out of our hearts and our minds. So if we are going to worry, let's at least worry about something worth worrying about. I just want to finish with a challenge for you because I know, because this is what I do, that whenever we talk about money in church, barriers start to go up and we start to resist particularly when it comes to the application side of things resist making any changes in life and we start justifying all the things that we've done and all the things that we're doing around wealth and this sort of thing and we start toning down our own selfishness and our own greed and this sort of stuff i know you're doing it because i do it like this is just this is how we are as humans we do feel this need to gather stuff for ourselves but i want to just challenge you today don't do that As we go through the rest of the service, we've got some more worship, we've got some more prayer coming up. Allow God to speak into the deep desires of your heart and challenge you on these things. Be really honest with yourself. I've not done this perfectly in my life. But I can speak from experience and say, when I have allowed God to really renovate my desires, my deep desires, it's it's come out good. It's been good results for me and the people around me. It's hard at the time, it's challenging. You can feel terrible. You can feel like you've stuffed up or you feel shamed. But gee, the results can be amazing. That's what we want for everyone here. To have an abundant life, we prayed that at the start of the service. But abundant in the really good life-giving areas, not in the dumb stuff that money gets us. Let me pray. Lord, we do feel that urge to get more stuff for ourselves. We'll get more stuff for the people close to us. We just acknowledge we feel that urge to compare ourselves to others, to work on our image in ways that are just really unhelpful to us and those around us. And we're sorry for that. We acknowledge that it's sometimes unhelpful, sometimes it's flat out wrong. Please help us to really face our our own shadow with this. Just be honest with ourselves. We invite you to speak to us and guide us and bring things to mind during the rest of this service. They're going to set us on a good path. Lord, for those who are worrying about money and the things money buys, please set them free from that worry and help them to focus on your kingdom. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you be particularly with those who are worrying about things that have nothing to do with money, more serious things in life. ask that you be with them, assure them of your unconditional love that you express through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek. If you have any questions about this podcast, send us an email, questions at stjohnsdc.org.au.